Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. I just got to, I got to tip my cap to Jarrett Carlin. It's 7.04. Yeah. Jarrett's on his game today. The what game, what game would that be? The Chafin joke. He's got yeah, themed music yeah. for, for this segment. Okay. For closing time. Yeah. Will the Phoenix Suns be telling the L.A. Clippers, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here tonight? At closeout opportunity. First time they have this. Well, the, if they do it, it'd be the mm. first time the Suns have won a playoff series at home. Since May 2nd, 2007. Yep. Game five against the L.A. Lakers. You remember that team? Oh, yeah. James Jones started in that game <laughs> uh-huh. and scored seven points. But Amari uh, Stoudemire, 27 points. Sean Marion, 26. You know who one of the officials was that night? I don't. Scott Forster. Was he really? Yeah. Okay. But 16 years since the Suns fan base yeah, has been experienced the clinching of any series at home. Now, it's not like there's been a ton of opportunities. No. Keep in mind, we went 10 years without a playoff berth. so Or, or almost 10 years without a playoff berth. But but I, they have yacked up uh, these opportunities in the past mm-hmm. for a very different reasons, and most of them are generally intensity-based, assuming that it's going to be a party, forgetting that it's a competition. They've been in the playoffs four times since that last time they clinched at There home. you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, it, so the sample size isn't great, but we all remember um, the last time they had this opportunity, they didn't capitalize it. They had to go on the road and win a game six in Los Angeles that was kind of dicey for a while, required a couple of real uh, heroic, contextually speaking, performances to do it. And to get it done, you don't want to do that. That's the that's the last thing in the world. You do not want to have to win a game six in Los Angeles on Thursday night. No, three one becomes three three very quickly. Very if quickly. you don't win tonight. Very well, their history, recent history in game sixes in LA is very good. They beat the Lakers and the Clippers in yeah. that same arena in game sixes yeah. in that playoff run a couple years ago. But let's avoid that. Yeah, let's avoid that because Kawhi Leonard is out for tonight. There's not going to be any uh, of the whole Willis Reed thing. And it's what did you say about? Willis Reed, by the way, you said something funny about Willis Reed a couple nights ago. If Willis, we at the arena. If Willis Reed played uh, played uh, in this era, we never would have heard of him. Never heard of him, because he would have never come out of the tunnel limping. No, that, his, his people would have held him back. His physiotherapist would have said, no, you, you need 1.6 more days of rest. And what's amazing about Willis Reed is, every if you say Willis Reed to a basketball fan, that's they'll tell you that story. That he limped onto the court and helped the Knicks to a championship. He's more famous for that than he is for winning an MVP, yeah, which he yeah. also won wasn't an MVP. Wasn't even aware. Of that. So um, I, I'm also curious now. One of the one of the big things yesterday was uh, DeAndre Ayton defending his motor, mm-hmm. and it, it was an interesting conversation. But I want to give you a little backstory on this. Um, I, I, in reading pieces about other people's pieces, DeAndre Ayton had a small bit of media available on Saturday. I was busting out of there to get to the airport, so I did. I missed that, but it was a little hallway kind of uh, confab, if you will. Sounded like D.A. was brooding a little bit after game four. Not certain what his role is. I think the quote was, I guess, rebounding, I guess. I don't really know. I I don't know whether it was just uh, moodiness, whether it was broodiness, whether it was nothing at all. But apparently he and Monty have had a talk since then, and he was much more upbeat yesterday. It's just a reminder that there's a lot of moving pieces on any athletic team that always need managing. 
at any point in time. Yes. Uh, here was DeAndre Ayton yesterday, the uh, quote about people questioning his motor. Yeah, I don't know what that is, man. Yeah. The motor, come on, bro. I play both ends of the floor. My name is Dominic Ayton. I carry the, uh, I anchor the Phoenix Suns on both ends of the floor. The motor, really? You can talk about a motor, man? Nope. I run on Tesla battery. <laughs> he runs on a Tesla battery. Um, yeah, he, he later... He that means la- he's about to explode in the next uh, <laughs> He later said in the same uh, media session that that the playoffs are physical. People are climbing over your back and this and that. And, and this is and this is my element. And I thought, okay, let's just stop talking now. Because now, now we're getting silly. Well, now, now, now we're projecting and talking about a player you don't even resemble. Which D.A. does. does we know yes. he's done that his entire yes. career. Yes. Uh, on the subject of rebounding, uh, people, you know, especially after game one, it, a lot of people criticized solely DeAndre Ayton for what the Clippers were able to do on that offensive glass and their one win in this series. But here was D.A. A- answering the question, who got on you about rebounding? Oh, everybody. Every and any. My son, too. <laughs> His son is two, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, apparently, yeah, that's the other thing you can infer. He was uh, he was hearing a lot about his passive first half in Game One and the rebounding that he gave up in Game One. Yeah, the guys have been. It's clear guys have been chirping at him because the stakes are through the roof. Yes. They know they've got a championship caliber team here, and they can't have any drift. Here's uh here's a list for you. Okay, LeBron James, Kevon Looney, Anthony Davis, Demontis Sabonis, Rudy Gobert. You know what those five names on that list represent? I don't. The only players in this year's NBA playoffs averaging more rebounds per game than DeAndre Ayton. Okay. Okay, numbers. I I don't need to hear them with DA. I I know, but the way... This is what's confounding about DeAndre Ayton. The way he gets talked about by his own fan base... You would think he rolls out there and just does cardio for 30 minutes. Like, he's running up and down the court, and he's not getting any stats. He's not impacting the game at all. He's oh, he, well, he's impacting the game. He's impacting the game. Yes. Yeah, we're not saying he's not. But he's I, I'm not he's saying had you moments are. of serious softness in this series. I agree. And even in, in what I thought was a good game for him in Game 4, he came out with a great activity level early. Mm-hmm. had four early offensive rebounds, kind of set a tone. When the game was in the balance, there was some of those daffy, frustrating moments where the hand Hands disappeared or decision-making on a pass that he threw. Whatever. That's who DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton is. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. But I, I, I still think he gets undue amounts of criticism from this fan base. His role has changed. We, we've talked so much about how Chris Paul's role has changed. And it has. He's now asked to knock down shots. I can't believe we're back. I can't believe we're back to having this conversation about undue criticism for a guy who. What was his contract? One hundred and thirty-three million dollars. Which is kind of a bargain in today's okay, <laughs> but you All shouldn't right. have to beg your max well, player to it, do the basics. No, and again, it's it, it, it's not production, it's not numbers, it's it's potential, it's it's you know percentage of intensity, it's all that stuff. But, yep. but you're right; it's he's not going to change. He is not going to change. You know, if, if we were having he, this conversation two years ago, I'm saying, yeah, it's still possible. He's, but, he's in your at the end yeah, of your five. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So so, but, but what can't happen now is the drift and. And the fumbles and the see KD hasn't learned you can't throw the man a bounce pass. He's done it a few times in the playoffs and he's paid for it every single time. He'll get, he'll, he'll figure it out. He'll figure out what a lot of other people who have played with DA know. Yeah, there's some things you can't do. 
So whatever. So it's it's really uh, the idea of he just needs to stay engaged defensively and on the rebounds. Mm-hmm. And if he does that, anything else that happens is is it's mitigated by what he is contributing defensively and on the glass. Yes. That that was sort of the story on the run to the NBA Finals. He locked into a role and he did it real well and he did it at a high level. And he sustained it, and he did it without getting into foul trouble. And then he met Giannis, and then <laughs> yeah, put an end to that. We know how that ended. <laughs> put an end to that. Yeah. Uh, coming up next, more on the uh, Phoenix Suns game five opportunities, and they might be getting a little help from an injured player coming back. That and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! It's our last hottest ticket qualifier for Game 5 tonight. Fire! And the name, the person we are looking for, is Cody Hester from Glendale. Cody, you've got 10 minutes to call 602-260-9870. That'll get you qualified for the drawing for the tickets for tonight. If Cody does not call within 10 minutes, we'll open up the phone lines to someone else. If you didn't hear your name called just now, you still could qualify by text, uh, texting TICKET to 620-620 and listen for your name in the noon hour. Once again, starting the clock right now on Cody Hester from Glendale. 10 minutes to give us a call at 602-260-9870 to get qualified for the hottest tickets in town. Each game has been important in our growth, um, and even the six or seven games that we got before the postseason started, like I think we're learning something every game um, on both sides of the ball, and you know we're finding out what works. And I was talking spacing earlier; spacing's a big, a big part of it. Allowing you know Kevin to get the work and be a playmaker at the same time. You know, allowing Chris to get to. You know, his strong spots that's going to make everybody make everything easier for everybody else. So, you know, just all being on the same page. It's Devin Booker yesterday at practice talking about the growth with each game this uh, Phoenix Suns team is undergoing. And I think that's undeniable. You can't really quantify it or pinpoint where it's happening, but uh, logic tells you that it's happening. They've played 12 games together with Kevin Durant mm-hmm. on the floor. They're 11-1, and one, and that's what makes every game in this journey, regardless of how well, long it goes, fascinating. Well, what's fascinating is, okay, so what, what was new to the mix in Game 4? Chris Paul was new to the mix in Game 4 in terms of raising and elevating and looking like, okay, he's part of this whole deal and, and all that. Okay, so we've had two, ga- two days off since Saturday, so you would think that if Chris Paul... W- 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 feels more comfortable in this very strange role he's in with a couple days off he'll be very effective tonight so i'm i'm going to be curious just to see what he aesthetically looks like uh-huh. quickness juice all that kind of stuff uh cameron payne you wonder if the basketball team might wait and and kind of see how this thing is going because if you can eliminate the Clippers and get him a big chunk of rest, does he need it or is he good to go i mean once pro athletes are healthy there's no reason keeping him on a shelf that's kind of that's kind of counterintuitive. No, and with campaign not available to Monty Williams, we've seen him kind of scramble to find somebody who's going to help. At times, it's been Landry Shamit that's gotten the call. He's not really done much in this series. Damian Lee's got the call. He had a couple of moments a few games ago game where he hit two. some threes. Yep. I, I think campaign is probably 
the first guard off the bench tonight. If he's, yeah. if he's able, if he's to, able go. to go and it sounds like he is, then he's going to be the first one off. And I do think that we know this, that the one thing about the Suns team is there's not a lot of demonstrative fire guys. Campaign brings that element. He comes onto the game, his hair's on fire. Not yes. literally. Fire. Fire. <laughs> um, here's Monty Williams yesterday, the head coach, talking about uh, the first time this series where both teams were ostensibly benefiting from two days rest instead of one. As much as we didn't like um, the early game, it's still basketball, and if you're able to win that game, then you get that almost like a half day of rest. And then yesterday was good for everybody, and um, we didn't do a ton today. We just kind of got in here and walked through some things. We knew the guys would want to stay and get shots, so it's hopefully good for us, as it is going to be for the Clippers as well. It will be, but uh, I think more so to the Sun side, and you you pinpointed the guy that everybody's going to be looking at tonight with the extended rest. What mm-hmm. what does Chris mm-hmm. Paul look like? He's looked like a couple of different players in this yeah, series, and the way he ended <laughs> Game 4 on Saturday was a pretty good spot for him to end on, Yeah, because he looked fantastic. He did, and but we also know what he looked like in that last game against the Pelicans, mm-hmm. and then what came after that, just when you expected A, you got B, so that, the, to me this is the one real big variable, because I'll be honest with you, I uh, and, and I've said this before. I was, I was starting to fear that this team was going to have a CP3 problem. Shut up, Jared. <laughs> in, in, ter- in terms of uh, of having a guy that was just predated on defensively and not playing at the pace they need offensively, and now you're hiding him and you're hoping he can make some shots, and then you start thinking, isn't there a better option here? There was there was a point where they didn't want him handling the ball, and he wasn't shooting. No. So then, what was his role and, exactly? And then there was the point when he gave the ball back to Kevin Durant at the end of the game, and again, nothing came of it. Nothing. There was no no harm, no foul. There was no blood. There's nothing, no consequence that came of it other than people who know basketball. You know exactly what that means. And what that means is a loss of confidence in the big ultra-pressure moments. And that's the world Chris Paul has lived for 18 years. Now, I think it's I think what he proved on Saturday was what he did giving the ball back to Kevin Durant. That's not going to happen again. That's what I think he proved on Saturday. I hope it's what he proved. But it, but if Chris Paul feels diminished to the point where I'm not going back on that free throw line, that would be a little troubling. And again, I'm not I, I'm, this is I'm not stepping on the third. We we all saw the same things. Yes, we all saw this happen. Mm-hmm. So so to me, I think that 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 to me was what was so poignant about Saturday, and I think Chris Paul felt it. And I think he was relieved. I Chris won't talk about this stuff. But as I said in the blast yesterday, I, I've got to believe he's in, he feels indignant, embarrassed, like you're leaving me open. You remember back two years ago when he was having trouble and they were thinking of benching him? And his his thing was, all right, listen, if you think I'm trash, tell me. I'll sit down. The yeah, indignancy he had the, the shoulder injury. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and so and this isn't just this is not an injury per se. This is just a, a, a an undersized point guard trying to do something that most undersized point guards can't do yeah. survive in a league when when undersized point guards in the NBA lose a half step a quarter step generally this league will chew you up and spit you out true his transition is different though and, and people might since Russell Westbrook has been such a central point of this series people will look at the Westbrook Lakers experience especially at the end 
and it kind of went viral. When Golden State would defend Russell Westbrook when he was with the Lakers, Draymond Green would just, he would sag off him so far and just dare him to shoot. Exactly. Yep. That was disrespect. Yeah. And probably a smart tactic. Yeah. What What's happening with Chris Paul is opponents are leaving him because they have no other choice. Because they're cheating to help cover KD yes. and Book. Yes, there's a difference. I agree with you. I, I, it's still, I, it's still, I think perceived as disrespect, but it's not the same. It's not the okay. Yes. I dare you to shoot. Ha ha. You it's, won't. You're scared. It's definitely not. Oh, this guy can't no, shoot. Leave him. No, open. no, no. It's, it's, it's different than that. Yeah. It's it's the old saying about defenses will tell you in the NBA playoffs what a priority they think you are or they don't think mm-hmm. you are. By, by how they shade, how they cover, how they attack. Good way to put it. It's time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. With the kind gesture, the Phoenix Suns brightened a young hospital patient's day. After seeing a video posted by the young boy's dad on social media in which he procla- proclaimed his love for the Suns, Phoenix forward Ish Wainwright recorded a video for the child sending him encouragement and support while he goes through chemotherapy. Quote, I just want to tell you to grind it out, man, to stay strong and fight, Wainwright said in the video posted by the Suns. We've got your back. We're praying for you. We hope to see you at a game real soon. The young fan is the son of Fire Battalion Chief Ryan Travis and was decked out in Suns gear while in the hospital getting treatment. Uh, Well done by Ish Wainwright. Well done by the Suns. Character Counts presented by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electric. Your one-stop shop for total home comfort. Uh, did Cody Hester call in, Jared? He did not. He did not. Come on. Cody Hester, you got two minutes. Two minutes to give us a call at 602-260-9870 to get into the drawing for tonight's Clippers Suns Game 5. If he doesn't do it, we'll open up the phone lines to somebody else to steal those on the other side. Also on the other side, the Rush Hour Reboot. Big stories of the day presented by Sarah Cazell. Typically a Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! Yeah, Cody didn't come through. He didn't call within 10 minutes. That means the phone lines are open to somebody else to steal Woo-hoo. Cody's spot in the drawing for Game 5 tickets. What caller number call shall we call Caller number 5 for? today, Vinny. Caller 5. Dick Van Arsdale. Johnny Bench. Uh, 602-260-9870. That is the phone number you need to call. Caller number 5. You'll be our qualifier for the hottest tickets in town. Good luck. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot, everybody. Here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It is game night here in the Valley. Of course, we are going to start out with that as we talk about our top stories of the day. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! With Vince Murata. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> there you and go, Clippers. Jared Carlin, who is favorite. The development is nuts. <laughs> Taking calls. <laughs> What Did I just witness something? Multitasking? Jared Carlin is on his game. He's multitasking now. He is playing clips. He is taking calls. Just, did you take no, this, is, yeah, this morning? Is, this is playoff Jared. Yo! Playoff JC! I love it. I'm impressed. All right, let's see. Let's see if we can keep it up, honestly. <laughs> 
<laughs> the Suns tonight have the opportunity to close out a playoff series at home for the first time since 2007, as our Vince Morata has noted a few times already. On this show, the Suns are up 3-1 on the Clippers going into tonight's game at Footprint Center. After dropping game one, the Suns have won the last three. And Devin Booker says, yeah, they're ready to roll in this one, too. It's a good feeling, but you know, we just have to do it. That's what it's going to come down to. Uh, I think we're in this situation before versus them, and they came out game five and beat us last time that happened. So, you know, just coming in with, you know, awareness ready to go from the beginning and, you know, just protect home court like we've been seeing all series. All right. In the same vein, here's DeAndre Ayton on the approach when it comes to closing out at home. Yeah, I mean, the approach is the same. You know, don't uh, don't respect your don't disrespect your, your opponent. Um, you know, know that um, you know that's a bruised animal, and you know those are always the most aggressive ones. And understand that you know they just not going to lay down. And we got to protect home regardless, and we're still working on us. That's what teams. That's what people forget. We're working on us to, for us to be better, and not for us to work on things, and for us to we're hard on us of the close out games the right way. So I mean, it's going to be a good game. I learned something. You National did. Geographic. I didn't know that bruised animals were the most aggressive. Oh, <laughs> thank you, DA, for teaching me. Bruised, cornered. Yeah, different. But same. I think he's trying to say desperate. Yeah. Is what he's yeah. trying to say. All right. Yeah. Well, desperate because there's no Kawhi Leonard again. He's been ruled out by the Clippers. Uh, what is going to be the biggest key or the biggest keys from the Suns to lock this one in tonight? Uh, I want to see him get off to a good start. A solid 12 minutes of basketball to open up in the first quarter. Set a tone. Uh, don't give the crowd any opportunity to have those lulls in energy that we've seen in, in the previous two games in this series. Yeah, to me, it's it's rebound and and playing defense without fouling. Because I guarantee you this. I guarantee you there's going to be a, corrupt, a correction of some sort tonight because yeah. the refs did the Clippers dirty in games three and four. And, and I don't want to hear from anybody, anybody, that the Suns don't get calls. Okay? Nobody. You're invalidated. Games three, games four, go look at the free throw numbers. Yeah, it's yeah. not close. A lot of that has to do with the way the Suns are defending, though. Uh, they're, they're not exactly putting a lot of pressure no, on drivers. I, I, listen, I know, I know that. But, but, I, know I think that. it was a big thing in game three. And the differential was very evident in game four, yeah. too. And, and I'm not saying the refereeing was all that necessarily terrible. I'm just saying that if you're going to harp on the raw numbers like Suns fans often do, mm-hmm. then you got to acknowledge this, too. Yeah. Vince, you mentioned not letting the fans let up at any point in the game. I think it was, was it yesterday that you coined big free chicken energy? Yes. Was that the, okay. <laughs> free chicken sandwich energy for 48 minutes, Suns fans. Yes. There we, you go. A call to the fans from the man, the voice inside the building. What do you want to see from the crowd tonight? It's going to be electric. It always is during the playoffs. And, you know, again, this is rare territory. I mean, we talked about in 2021. All right, the Suns fans are back for playoff basketball. And we saw what they were capable of. This is an opportunity to experience something that hasn't happened in a long time. So I, I, I have faith that they will act accordingly. Jerry, yeah. what do you think of free chicken sandwiches? That's his favorite kind of chicken sandwich. <laughs> My favorite kind of any food, really. Yeah. If it's free, it's for me. If it's free, I'll take three. There you go. All right. Hey, Lion. Uh, let's let's go elsewhere in the NBA. Some incredible playoff basketball last night. Two crazy games. The Heat beat the Bucks to go up 3-1 on Milwaukee. Thanks to 
56 points from Jimmy Butler. He had 21 in the fourth quarter. Absolutely sensational. And then the Lakers beat the Grizzlies in the late game in overtime to also take a 3-1 series lead. So of these three series, of these three teams, I should say, guys, which top team is most likely to go down in the first round? The one-seed Bucks down 3-1 to the Miami Heat right now. The two-seed Grizzlies down 3-1 to the seven-seed Lakers. Or the three-seed Kings even 2-2 against the six-seed Warriors. B for me. Grizzlies yeah. most likely to, to go Lakers. down. Yeah. yeah, I think that's. I think that series is about done. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's it's three one now, and and John Morant is not well, and I and I don't think that they've got what it takes now, piece wise, to come back on the Lakers. No, they're shorthanded. I don't think their mindset is right. Um, I mentioned yeah, it in, in yeah, passing the, the attitudes of, of Dylan Brooks and John Morant to just skip out on media availability after a tough loss last mm-hmm. night. That's Very not what, immature. That's not what a mature basketball no, team does. And this is this has been the hallmark of that Grizzlies team after that great, great start. Some of the comments they made, it's like, really? Uh, they do love talking. Wow. But are they I, backing it what up? What have you won? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, they're, they've got some growing up to do. All, sizz, all sizzle and no steak, as they say. Yeah. No, How do you feel about steak, Jared? What do you think of steak? Jarrett? Oh, it's so good. Medium rare. Yes. Medium plus. You're playing with fire with a medium rare steak. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Because sometimes it's going to come out rare. Not for me. Uh, If it's it's real, true medium rare. I do not need to see the pulse in the food I'm eating. You don't need to smile back at you. Right, exactly. (laughs) You call this a steak? Oh, so Mark's where Jockey was hitting the horse. Tell the chef this is low-grade dog food, okay? Dog food! All right, we're going to take a, a slightly more serious tone for our final question no, of not. the Rush Hour Reboot. Well, you might need to. We're checking in All on right. the Arizona Cardinals and the conflict between Terry McDonough and Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell, the organization as a whole. Uh, as a refresher, McDonough, the former VP of player personnel, filed a grievance with the NFL earlier this month, alleging that Bidwell is a bully in the workplace. He creates an environment of fear and he facilitated a cheating scheme during Steve Kime's suspension in the summer of 2018. Now, the Associated uh, Press reported yesterday that the Cardinals have filed a response to McDonough's allegations, saying his claims are not true, and he is simply retaliating for not being kept on board with the Cardinals in this new phase of the front office. In the filing, the Cardinals claim that McDonough's, quote, erratic behavior eventually damaged his career. They call him a hothead in using different words, and they say he was aggressive and unprofessional with people in the organization, including Michael Bidwell. What is your reaction to th- these new words that are out here and the way this is all being handled? Yeah, I, I'm not sure Terry McDonough is doing himself any favors uh, acting erratically, countering the Cardinals' claims of being erratic, just like I don't think the Cardinals are doing themselves any favors retaliating after being accused of being retaliatory. This this seems to be very, 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 very personal. I I think all that matters is, was there a cheating scheme in place? Was there a burner scheme in place? And and did it, uh, you know, is the league interested in that alone? Um, It it seems to be very, like I said, petty and personal. Yeah, have you ever experienced, like, maybe when Facebook was more popular, a couple that you knew was going through some tough times and they decided to fight it out on Facebook and constantly complain about their spouse online. 
and you're like unaware of what so a bad look it is. Like, why are you doing yeah. this? Like yes. nobody. I'm sorry you're going through trouble, right, but, but behind closed doors is a thing. That's how I feel about this. Right. I don't understand the tact from either side in right. all of this when arbitration is going to happen. There's a reason why God made hampers. That's where the dirty laundry goes. <laughs> no. You don't air it out and go, hey everybody, look. Especially you, Jared. That would be just know, when you air out dirty laundry. <laughs> It stinks. I thought you were going to say, you get to wear it again the next day. <laughs> you just do one of these. Wait, flop it. Whoop. It's Give it clean. the old sniff test. Put it back oh, on. Oh, oh, that's so nasty. Oh, Please leaving. don't. Uh, if you want more details, ArizonaSports.com. We've got all of the information that the Associated Press put out yesterday. There's so many people calling to try to be caller number five. Ah, yeah, if you, if you thousands think. of listeners of this show, you think you can wait 10 minutes and call and be caller five? In 12 minutes, you don't think five people called in? Come on, give us some credit here. You losers. <laughs> you, I'm talking to you, Todd, on line one, who's ringing. Sorry. Again? Uh, Valente Verrera was our winner. Caller number five. Congratulations, Valente. A great alliteration in, there. I know. Great name. Uh, you don't hear the double V initials no, very often good. unless it's in an Adam Sandler movie. It's Vicky Valencourt. That Veronica, Veronica Vaughn is one hot Pete. No. <laughs> uh, so Valente's in the drawing for those tickets today. Listen for your name in the noon hour and the five o'clock hour too for your final chance to get those game five tickets tonight coming up next we've gone this long in the show on this tuesday without discussing the massive trade in the nfl that's finally a done deal oh, yeah. aaron Rodgers, ex-packer that's next bickley and Murata mornings here on arizona sports the local sports leader bickley and Murata mornings arizona sports the local sports leader Oh, Laura, we have breaking news right now. Uh, breaking news. Aaron Rodgers officially is being traded to the New York Jets. And it just came down moments ago in a trade involving six picks. Aaron Rodgers is going to the New York Jets. It's official. It is happening. Finally, after all this time, we've been waiting for this trade to happen. And now it is. And here are the details of the trade that just came down. The Jets are sending their first round pick this year. Their second round pick this year. Well, hold on. Big swagoo. Hold on. Their second round pick next year. It's a conditional pick. They get back. They get back. The Packers' first round pick this year and a fifth round pick. But the trade is coming down. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. It is official. That's Adam Schefter breaking news on live television and admonishing Marcus Spears on live television all mm. in one fell swoop. The uh, deal going down yesterday while Adam Schefter was doing a uh, live hit on uh, ESPN about the, the draft and he got the text and read it. And there you go. The long nightmare is over. Uh, more than 40 days after Aaron Rodgers made his intention to play for the New York Jets known on the Pat McAfee show, it gets done. I'm a little bit surprised that it got done before the draft, Well, but uh, here we are. The, re- the reason why I think that this is a very fair price, even though you're hearing a lot of analysts claim that the Jets got fleeced, I, I would guess you'd have a hard time finding a Jets fan feeling fleeced this morning. Yes. I'd, I'd, I would think you'd have a hard time finding a Jets fan who isn't over the moon this morning. I tend to think, and this is a boring take, this is one of those initial 
rare win-wins for both teams. I agree. Because it be, and the reason why I think it is because this thing took so long and it got up to an actual deadline that I think it brought out the it brought out the the equity in the uh, it brought out fair negotiation. Yes. And so what so it looks like a big haul in paper. The first round pick swap, it, okay, so you move up two picks. Two big, spots. Big yeah. deal, yeah. right? So you get a second rounder, a sixth rounder and it's that conditional first rounder that you pointed out that that's the tax. So that's if Aaron, almost guaranteed to turn into a first rounder based so. on 65% of snaps. But this is also a guy who's one year removed from being a two-time MVP. Consecutive, right? Didn't yeah. he win him back to back? He did. Okay, in twenty and twenty-one. One year removed from that, joining a roster that's really good. This is, I, if I was a Jets fan, I would be standing on a desk cheering. So the idea that the Jets got fleeced—that is just analyst nonsense. That's all it is. It, it's it's a legitimate opinion if that is your opinion, but I guarantee you you're not going to find a Jets fan who's feeling fleeced this yeah. morning. Dan Orlovsky on the uh, trade, what it does for the Jets. There are three teams in Tier 1 in the AFC. It's the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Buffalo Bills. There's now four. This puts the New York Jets into that first tier. Things that we know. This is a up-and-coming potential offensive line. Very young and talented skill position group led by, led by Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. And then the reality that this is a top five defense in the NFL. This is one of the, if not the most complete rosters in all of football. The addition of Aaron Rodgers is that big a deal. Things that we don't know. What's going to happen with the 15th pick that they traded with Green Bay essentially and that second round pick that they have. They still need an offensive tackle. Makai Becton who plays left tackle who would be Aaron Rodgers' blind side just hasn't stayed healthy. If he does, great. But you can't bank on that. And then that second round pick, I do think that they need to add some type of vertical stretching tight end. Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State are two pieces that I look at, but in the grand scheme of it, the Jets are bona fide Super Bowl contenders. This is one of the best days in the history of their organization. It is. There's no doubt about it. Aaron Rodgers is still a very, very good quarterback. I don't think he's the same quarterback that won back-to-back MVPs. We started to see a little bit of age creep in last year. That does not mean it's not a massive upgrade at the position for the New York Jets. It's going to be a one-year or two-year run. I'm tending to think probably one. So that's where it helped. If they can compete for a Super Bowl, it's a win for them. Mm. The draft compensation that the Packers get is a win for them. And they get a headache off their hands. This has been a headache for, what, four years? What makes you think it's only going to be a one-year deal? Because of the weirdness of Aaron Rodgers, which I think is going to be magnified. You thought Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay got talked about a lot. Aaron Rodgers is now in the media capital but, of the world. But that's what he wants. Yes. He doesn't want to be in a small town. Yes. He wants to be in a place like New York. So maybe he, maybe he, maybe he's suddenly perfectly obliging, like Kevin Durant in Phoenix is. Mm-hmm. I, he's already done one thing that shows me a little bit of self awareness. Yes. And you brought it up earlier. He did not take Broadway Joe Namath's jersey number. No. He moved off it, went to eight, which he wore at Berkeley. Joe said, uh, I could care less if the team is straight. I just want to kiss you. <laughs> no, he said, you could wear number 12. It's retired. And Aaron Rodgers did the right no, thing and did. said, nope, I'm going to wear my college number, number yeah. eight. Yeah, so that's I, I think that's a level of self-awareness that you rarely see from Aaron but Rodgers. Trey Wingo pointed this out on Twitter yesterday. Top AFC quarterbacks, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Rodgers, Tua, Herbert, Lawrence, and Lamar Jackson. Top NFC quarterback. Who was in that list? I wouldn't have put him in there, but that's his tweet. Um, he, although he was really good when he played last year. Okay. Uh, NFC top quarterbacks. Hurts, 
and then Stafford and Dak Prescott with question marks next to them. Wow. The conference gap has never been wider. And he's right. I was thinking the the same thing about, like, after all this, Kyler Murray is probably a borderline top five quarterback in the NFC, right? Yeah. Yeah, it has to be by default. Yeah, no, listen, you're right. The the quarterback divide has never been greater, so as a result, the gap between the two conferences is never, by definition, You might say Geno Smith is a top five quarterback in the NFC. Ooh, boy. Derek Carr. Uh, a lot the, of people, a uh, lot of people chirping at me that the Seahawks, if Anthony Richardson is there, is are going to scoop him up. I've seen a lot of projections yeah. that indicate uh, a similar line of thinking. Uh, on the Packers side of this trade, though, Brian Goodykunst, the GM, said, "Yeah, it was just time." I think where our team is at, obviously, Aaron's uh, you know up there in age and has you know I don't know, however many years he has. I think he's got some really good football left in him. But I think for us, it was just uh, as we got through the off season and started talking about where we wanted to go, this made a little bit of sense for us. We wanted to get his input, like I've told you guys in, in the past, and would have loved to have that and kind of see where he sat with that. Um, that didn't happen. That was a little bit unfortunate and disappointing for me. But at the same time, um, I just think, you know, as we move forward, um, we're really excited where Jordan can go. He needs to play, and uh, having him sit another year, I think, um, would really delayed kind of, you know, where we're going and what we're trying to build. That was the 2020 draft when the Packers drafted Jordan wow. Love in the first round, and that's when wow. all of this strife started, and here we are. Three years later, still talking about it. But now it's over. Aaron Rodgers in New York. Aaron, call me. I know a good ayahuasca guy in Queens. To you. Yeah. Sure, you do in Queens. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> My cousin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, Bick will kick off the second half of the show with Fire. the blast. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.